You are listening to Cracking the Rich Code with Miss Marilee, your insider's club from authors and entrepreneurs across the country, giving us their best to help us crack the rich code. And now, here is Miss Marilee. Welcome, everybody. Today is June 12th. We're already into summer. And uh, this is Cracking the Rich Code. I'm your host, Miss Marilee. Today, I have a very, very special guest, which I'm like totally, totally excited to have on, is Mr. Jim Britt. He is the, uh, the creator of Cracking the Rich Code, and I thought that would be so appropriate to have you on today. Jim, welcome. My pleasure. Great to be here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I know that you have done so many wonderful things in your career, uh, written so many books, you've mentored people, you've, um, you know all your programs, everything is so wonderful. You have 20 years of success and named uh, one of the top 20 success coaches. And, you know, we can look that up, but today I'm so excited about this chapter here, and I want to tell you why. As I was reading it again today, you know, it was really hitting home, and I had somebody call me today, and and it was so appropriate for what you wrote. It's so beautiful. I really hope that people – take this to heart. So what I want to do, if you don't mind, is first of all, I want to ask, like, what, I'm reading this, it says, believe something long enough, and eventually you'll experience experience it as true. Now, we hear that a lot, but from you, how do you know that? Now, I, I didn't catch what what you were referring to again. How did I well, know what? Well, in the book, okay. well, it says, what you put in here, we're talking about core beliefs. And in here you says, believe something long enough, and eventually you'll experience it as true. Right. And a lot of people will think, okay, that I hear that all the time. And so, so from your perspective, you know, with your success and everything, how do you know that that is true? When did you <laughs> well, come to know that? Well, um, experience and and. Um, Working with you know tens of thousands of people over the years, um, and you know we all have core beliefs and and they're they're programs that's been programmed in from from childhood, uh, some of them anyway, and some later in life, but a lot of them connect to each other. But what I discovered many years back is that really all beliefs are are false in one sense mm-hmm. uh, because uh, you know maybe one person says well money's hard to earn or relationships are hard to keep together, or, you know, whatever. Uh, they have they have that belief. So if they believe that, it's going to be true for them. But does that make it true? Does it make it true mm-hmm. for everybody that money's hard to earn or relationships are hard to keep together? Uh, no, it's only true for them. So a belief is false until you decide that it's true. Then it's true for you. But it's only true for you. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. like I, uh, I, I was... Um, uh, meeting at, with the Dalai Lama in a group one time, and somebody asked him uh, which religion is correct to the exclusion of all the rest of them. And he said, interesting mm. question. He said, there should be as many religions on the planet as there are people. <laughs> so mm. I thought, how true, because, you, you know, you can you can go into to one religion and and you can right. find people with different belief systems within that uh, particular religion. So it's like what we decide is true, um, and then mm-hmm. it becomes true for us because that's that's our view of the world. If we think the world is mean and ugly, then we'll view the world as mean and ugly. Does that mean it is? Right. Uh, maybe it is right. in some places, but I don't view it that way. Um, so you know that that's so my take that's on. What he's saying. So basically, he's saying that your religion is your own belief system. Yeah. 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 I mean, it it may be based Mm -hmm. around something, but you you still uh, kind of massage that around to fit uh, what what Mm -hmm. you believe. You may say, well, I I don't believe that part of this religion, but I believe this part of it. And somebody else is, you know, off off doing a different type of belief within that same one. So it's it's that way in life. I mean, everybody's got a different belief system. It's we're all individuals. Mm -hmm. We all have a different mindset. We all have different upbringing. And we all have uh, different beliefs about pretty much everything. And and the more you um, experience that belief as true, the more it co- becomes a core belief. 
And when it's mm-hmm. a core belief, you you live your life that way until you decide mm-hmm. you're going to change it. And right. and that's not always easy to do. It's simple, but it's not always easy. <laughs> right. So when you were talking in here, you know, about our DNA, you know, and it's passed down and passed down. And if, if we actually believe that we come from a family, like we, my family's always been poor, and that's your state at this moment, it's really hard. That is your belief, so it's hard to overcome that, to see yourself as anything different. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. yeah you know, the, uh, as I mentioned there in that, that chapter, uh, if you believe that your parents' DNA is in you, uh, and it is, it's passed down, and then your grandparents must be uh, passed down to you as well, uh, and your great-grandparents must be passed down to you. So if you keep going back, all the way back to where we survived and lived in, in a cave, um, then uh, all of that, I mean, all of that ha- is connected to our DNA. So and when you're living in a cave, and I, I would assume anyway, I never did it, but <laughs> but I would assume, you know, back in those days that you had two uh, basic uh, kind of survival instincts. Uh, one is to kill something to eat so you could survive, and the other one was mm-hmm. to keep from being killed and eaten when you go out to kill something mm-hmm. to eat. So mm-hmm. so you've got both of those fears. Do I have do I have food to eat to survive and can I step out of this cave with my spear and and mm-hmm. survive a saber-toothed tiger or something. So uh mm-hmm. that fear is still in our DNA. So when when we go to step out of our comfort zone, when we let's say we go to get up in front of a group to speak um and we're terrified. Um it's it's that same fear of being killed and eaten, not in the same mm-hmm. sense, but still that fear is inside us, and and it it can run your life if you let it. Mhm. Yeah, and that's um the the name of the chapter is the predator and the prey. <laughs> yeah, it's, the it's so appropriate. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and then it says um the world sees you the way you see you. Mm-hmm. So to that, to your point about coming out of the cave, I mean, am I going to be eaten, or am I going out to eat? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. How do I feel I, about? I, mm-hmm. You know, you you how you see the world is how the world sees you. So your mm-hmm. mindset, your which is your belief system, basically, is projected out to the world, and we don't necessarily. I mean. You know, the law of attraction, I, I kind of, to a degree, believe in it. To another degree, I don't. Um, because when when you have a mindset based on a belief system, you project that out to the world, whether it's a, a belief that you're going to accomplish a certain thing or whatever, you project that out to the world, and, and you you see the world differently. You see opportunities. Yeah. Let's say you wanted to make a lot of money. Well, if you didn't want to make a lot of money, you wouldn't have a, you wouldn't have a view of the opportunities out there. You wouldn't care about it. But if you want to make a lot of money, right. then you, you you start to see opportunities that come in in front of you. you go, wow! I didn't I didn't even think this was possible, you know. And and right. so, um, and and at so the same time, it's how those in the world view you. So if you're you know, if you believe that a business is hard to get together and you go out to try to raise money for your business, people are going to see you differently and they're going to go, well, I'm not investing in that business, you know. So mm-hmm. so would you equate that to vibration? No, like you're giving off that vibration, that energy of, you know, insecure and I'm not sure if I can do this and why would you want to invest sure. in me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely a, a vibration. I mean, we we've all – we're electronic human beings, basically. I mean, at the core, we're just energy, and mm-hmm. and and everybody's been around somebody that's negative, and they feel it, or that's lonely, and they feel it, or they're clingy, or they're controlling, or whatever. You feel somebody's energy, and right, and you're projecting that out to the world all the time, and and people feel that energy. You sit down to make a presentation. If you're afraid you're going to get a no, chances are you're probably going to get one. You know, because you're expecting it, right? Uh, right. That's your energy. You know, so, uh, I always, I always tell people buy you first. You know, they buy yeah. you first, and then uh, even an, an investor, they could have somebody could have the best product in the world and want to launch a business around that product. 
and need to raise capital, uh, the investor, first thing they look at is you. If they don't buy you, right. they're not going to the next step. Right. Exactly. So in, in that vibration, for those, you know, wanting to pursue being an entrepreneur, um, it is your thoughts inside your thinking, you know, oh, my gosh, why would they want to invest in me? Why? I don't know if they're going to do this, and I don't know if I can sell myself, and I don't know if I'll say the right thing. And all those things in your head are literally reaching out of your skin in that vibration. People are picking yeah. it up. That's, that's yeah. a good way to put it. It, it definitely are. It's oozing out. <laughs> you feel yeah. it. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, confidence, and confidence yeah. in what you're doing is probably one of the most important things. I mean, whether you're raising money for a business or starting a business or uh, getting up in front of a group to speak, uh, you got to be confident in, in what you're doing. And you got to be confident that you're there, uh, just like I do a lot of speaking, and and mm-hmm. and I can remember when I didn't have the confidence, and I also remember when I didn't get the result that I got uh, for people and and for myself. But but I also remember the day I I developed the confidence that that I just kind of knew that I knew that I knew that I was there to influence uh, behavior and get people to change and and make right. positive changes in their life. And so that's what I feel like when I get in front of a group now. hasn't always been that way, but it is now. Mm-hmm. So confidence in what you're uh, sharing, confidence in what you're doing, confidence in your business, uh, confidence in yourself overall, that's so important. But how do you get confidence if, you know, like you're saying, your DNA, you come from a family who doesn't really support you, they've never really accomplished anything, and they don't see anything within you. So you don't really have any reason to believe that you can do anything, but you have a strong desire. So you go out, let's just say you're on stage or whatever you're trying to do, and you're getting a no and you're getting a no. How do you push through that until you finally say, no, this is who I am? Well, you know, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, we live in a black and white world. Um let's say, for instance, uh, the food you eat. Um, mm-hmm. The food you put in your mouth is either contributing to your health or contributing to disease. It's not It's not a gray area. It's black or white. It mm-hmm. either is good for you or it's not good for you. Um, mm-hmm. The actions you take based around the decisions you make uh, is either moving you toward that decision and the the accomplishment of that, or it's moving you away from it, black and white. Everything's black and white. So um, I think that's um, the key here is when you make a decision, it's got to be a decision that doesn't allow for anything less. So if somebody wants to be wealthy, and wealthy to them is to be a millionaire or five million or 50 million, whatever it is, somebody wants to be wealthy, the first thing they have to do not look for opportunities. The first thing is make the decision that nothing short of being wealthy, whatever that means to them, will do, mm-hmm. and, and that they will do whatever it takes that's legal and moral to uh, mm-hmm. accomplish that. <laughs> you know, so, right, um, right. But once that, they get there, let's just say they made that goal, right? And then it's uh, it, they didn't set it high enough because they couldn't see that far down the road. They only mm-hmm. made a, a short term goal mm-hmm. now it's like if you make your goal it's encouraging because you're like well if i can do that i can do more mm-hmm. but there are many people maybe you, you agree that there are people out there who have reached and you know, attained a lot of money but they didn't meet their happiness when they got there yeah well it's because they focused on one area of their life um and uh, i have I have a different take on goal setting when somebody says, do you, mm. do you have a 10-year projection or a 10-year goal? And I'm, and I'm going, no, not really. Uh, okay. I don't have a five-year or a one-year. Um, right. <laughs> but what I, what I do, see, a, go, a goal, a vision board, you know, all of the pictures and things on a vision board uh, doesn't mean anything unless they're backed up by a decision because decision is the foundation that – that uh, drives the goals and the goals to me are the incremental steps to getting where you want to go. Just like you make a decision to write a book and, Mm -hmm. 
and then the goal is well my first goal is to outline it my second goal is to you know figure out which what the title of each chapter is and what the subtopics are and then then I'm going to write 10 pages a day. That's a goal. And in 30 days, I've got a book written, 300 pages. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, to me, that's the goal. Uh, but the decision is what drives that. And and if you're just setting goals without the decision to back it up, it's just mental gymnastics that takes you nowhere. So, okay, a book is a big deal. You know how they say that all of us have a book in us, right? And mm-hmm. there's more yeah. books in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. So even with a plan like that, <laughs> a plan of action, so many people find it so hard to get their their words together. You know, it's like where where do you get that inspiration from? So you know you want to write a book. How? How well, my first, uh, it's that's another good question because I I spent probably twenty years, maybe fifteen, uh, saying. Uh, every year I was going to write a book, uh, and I never, I'd never <laughs> written one. And, you know, I'm a high school dropout, and English was the reason I dropped out, because, you know, I made, mm-hmm. like, straight Fs. So um, okay. wasn't very good, and I never thought I could write. And so mm-hmm. finally, I'll never forget the night. It was about midnight in the lobby of the Hilton Hotel in Long Beach, California. I passed a mirrored, uh, kind of a mirrored post and mm-hmm. and I caught a reflection of myself, and I stopped for a minute, and looked at myself, and I and I made the decision right there to write write the first book. And why? And I, and I felt different. I couldn't even go to sleep because I'd gone, oh my gosh, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna write a book. And up to that point, right. it was just a goal. I mean, I had I had put covers on books and put them up on the wall, put New York Times bestseller, put my name on yeah. it, somebody else's book. But it was, you know, uh, yeah. but but I felt so strong about it once I made the decision. Then I then the, the next morning I'm going, but I don't know where to start. I don't know. I've mm-hmm. never done this before. So what I ended up doing was hiring somebody to help me write my first book. And uh-huh. we sat, and I talked, and she typed. And she was uh. a very fast typist, and I'm a slow talker, so it worked out well. <laughs> we spent we spent about a month, month and a half in Hawaii, just talking and typing. And uh, you know, I'd tell stories, and this story fits over right. here, and this one fits here, and here's how my life went. And so it became you know my life story basically. And so that that's how th- that first book, Rings of Truth, came together. And when oh it was goodness. finished, I mean, I had, I had read it so many times, I wanted it wow, just to I go away. <laughs> and I wasn't even sure it was any good <laughs> until it, it came out and people started to uh, read it. And I started getting comments back. And then I'm going, wow, this book might be really good. Yeah, <laughs> it works. So, that is awesome. But the, so, but, okay, wait, let's, let's, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say the uh, once that book was done, I I said I can I can write a book. So my next one was kind of a how-to version of my first book, which was a story, and it was 330 pages, and I wrote it in 30 days because I wrote wow. 10 pages a day, and right. and then I sent it to the editor. And she said, it looks like this has already been edited. I only made two or three corrections. Wow. And I said, no, wow. I, I just wrote it the way I talk. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, worked. I noticed that. You I like it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So now I, I don't can, feel I like totally it's any big that. deal to write a book. It's just, you know, it's, a, it's just another 30 days right. of work. Right. And talking. Yeah, so, okay, yeah. but I want to back up a little bit because what did you see in the mirror? What changed um, your perception at that moment, your conviction? You know, I I don't know. Uh, it's just that I had, when I stopped and looked, it was just like uh, maybe it was something that somebody said that day because I had, I had two different people say, after they heard me speak, they said, uh, you should write a book on this. This is a great story. Mm-hmm. You, know, you should have a book. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's what triggered it. I don't know. Uh, but I just... I, I just caught my reflection, stopped for a minute, looked, 
and the decision was made. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know what that had to do with anything, but it was made, and and it uh, went forward. So. So okay. So then, right here in your book too, and in, in this chapter, it says humans of all ages establish and stick to routines no matter what, so they can survive. That's true. But when this story here, it's like you made a decision, right, and you stuck to your routine. Yeah. Well. See a um, whether it's a, whether it's a, an animal that sticks to a routine. Um, you know, I used to joke about my chickens that I that I used to have up on top part of my property, and you let them out during the day. And I said I trained them really well because they go in at night. Uh, but wow. I really didn't train them. They just instinctly go in at night because they know that <laughs> nighttime is when predators are out that uh, that can kill and eat them. So. Mm. You know, a lot of a lot of animals have that instinct uh, about them. Um, you know, like a raccoon will come out at night, but you never see one during the day. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, and and right. humans are are that way. Uh, they get into routines, and I call it an addiction, and it really is. It's an emotional addiction. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have a uh, you have an experience in your life. Uh, whatever whatever it may be, maybe it's an experience of losing money or a relationship breaking up or something like that, and it's devastating. So you, or maybe as a child, maybe your parents divorced, or maybe you know your mother dropped you on your head or something when you're little. And uh, anyway, you had this experience and you attach a feeling to it. And the more you experience that, the more you attach the feelings. Well, even as a child. And certainly as an adult, we don't want to feel that way, so we stuff it. And right. and pretty soon it just becomes a way of life. We just stuff those. We don't, you know, maybe you've got an abusive parent, and pretty soon you just stuff it. And then you start to think uh, that that's the way life is. And the more you think mm-hmm. it, the more you're going to start to believe that that's just the way life is. And usually as a child, sometimes we blame ourselves for the way life is. Um, mm-hmm. And we just keep stuffing it, and then based on beliefs, is that influences our behaviors and the decisions we make to move forward based on that belief, and and the behaviors we have or the actions we take uh, creates a result, and that result right. will feed the initial experience, because we will as humans will do almost anything to. Um, to prove to the outside world and ourselves that what we believe is true, even to our detriment, right. we do that. Right. Definitely to and, our detriment. Yeah. You, yeah. you know what? And, yeah. When the, and a belief is not that oh. hard to change. It, it's a uh, it, it's a decision away, and everybody's done it. Uh, they just yeah. they just don't realize it. The the tough ones are are, are the ones hard to. You know, hard to harder to break. You know, that's an excellent point because I I am with you 110 percent, and I have said that to others as well. And they say, "Merely, do you think I'm deciding to be like this? I'm not deciding to be like this. I want to be happy." You know, and and it's like, no, the decision is right here in the moment that is creating, you know, your emotional being. This thought right here, and where do you want to be? So it, it is a decision, but. Um, some people have a hard time believing that. Well, see, I have a different view of happiness. Um, I don't believe in pursuing happiness. Uh, happiness is our natural state. Um, yep. We've just covered it up with all these programs that cause our unhappiness. So if you want happiness, mm-hmm. just let go of the things that cause you to be unhappy. And you'll Amen. peel away the layers and pretty soon you'll be happy. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> how I feel, too. Um, okay, so let me read you this line, too. It says, this is why people refuse to change until the pain of not changing is worse than the pain of changing. Mm-hmm. Well, we always, weigh out, we always weigh out the pain of changing versus the pain of staying where we are. So mm-hmm. you'll hear people complain about where they are and they need to make more money or they're broke all the time or their car doesn't run right or whatever. And, and you wonder, well, why, why don't you change that? Why don't you Why don't you yeah. do something different? Well, then they they get presented with a, an opportunity that might help them go there. Then then they go, well, 
let's see. Now they don't consciously. Well, some do, but most it's not. It's not conscious that they're weighing out mm-hmm. the pain of of changing what they have to do to go out and and make that money to do what they need to do, versus the pain of staying where they are. And ninety five percent of the people will stay right where they are. They just they weigh out the the two pains and choose the one that's the lesser pain. And you know our subconscious is programmed that way to to keep us. Uh, keep us away from things that hurt us. But, Mm -hmm. boy, if you listen to it, you've got to listen to it and understand what's valuable to you and what's not you. You know, it's great to have a program on, you know, how to drive a car effectively without having to get in it every time and learn how to redrive it. So that's a great program. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And we do it automatically without even thinking after a while. And um, uh, at least some people. Uh, there's a few drivers out there that's, that's not so good. Right. But, uh, but, but, but you know what we do? You know, that, I, there's I, different. Like, I mean, uh, brushing your teeth in the morning, putting your pants on, whatever, you know, you, you kind of get into a routine. All of those are good. You don't have to rethink it every time. But, um, right. boy, when we uh, when we go to change, then our it, – it's here's the way I, I view it. You go to Google, and you – you're you're going to look up something. Um, actually, if you look up, I did this just the other day. If you look up making money, you get mm-hmm. three billion six hundred and seventy-two wow. million files on making money. <laughs> wow. Yeah, in point two oh, wow. three seconds. <laughs> mm-hmm. In a quarter of a Great. second, you get three point six billion files. You you look up happiness, it's about two point nine billion files. Well, the question is, do you look at all of those? And the answer is no, you couldn't ever. I mean, right. in nope. multiple lifetimes. So, uh, which ones do you look at? Front front page, right? Maybe the right. second page, but mostly the front. Well, how does that make those more valuable than the one on page ten or twenty or hundred? Um, no, not really. It's just mm-hmm. they've got more hits, so they're they're higher up on Google. Right. So your your mind is the same way. So if you go, okay, um, I'm lonely and I want I want to I want to find a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so instantly, in point two three seconds, uh, your subconscious shows you all of the programs you have on your first page that's had the most traffic. Uh, well, you got hurt with this relationship, you were in a marriage and got divorced, you got this, you got this, you got this, and and here's all your negative experiences with relationships. And so you weigh out the mm-hmm. pain again of do I want to go look for a new relationship or do I want to just stay lonely? And um, you make the choice based right. on that. But so, it's, right, it's, what's easier? It's, it's to be mindful of, of of what you're buying into from your own mind or from other people Mm -hmm. for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. I I find that, um, you know, as I'm listening to you, I see how people extrapolate. They come to a fork in the road where they have to make a decision. And so now before going left or right, they have to actually make assumptions as to what's down the road. So Mm -hmm. they're formulating opinions in their mind based on what you're saying, history, and then they create their own barriers and they don't go that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 Now I had uh, interesting. I had um, I was looking. I've got ten acres here, and in the in the uh, some, early part of the summer, right now, I have to have about eight of it weed eaten. So they have to have the, one of the weed eaters that they do by hand because there's a lot of rocks, so you can't mow it. Uh-huh. So I had this one weed eater came out, and he said, "Yeah, I'll uh, I'll do it." And I said, "When can you get to it?" And he said. Um, I'll try to be here tomorrow. If not, then I'll try to be here on on Thursday, and then I can work for a couple of days, and I'll try to be back on Monday or something. And mm-hmm. and I said, okay. So he comes out, and he works one day. Of course, he was going to try to come back on Thursday, which he didn't. <laughs> and then he was going to try to be back on Monday, which he didn't. So he didn't commit to it. Then I had another one come out, and I said, so what's the work schedule here? When, when can you go to work? He said, I'll start tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock. I'll work I'll work um, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I can't be here Tuesday. I'll be back Wednesday, and I'll work until it's done. And I'm going. Wow. 
you're on. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, he just had that mindset, and and mm-hmm. um, and the other one didn't. And I, I haven't even heard right. from the other one again. <laughs> so wow. he's probably weighing out the yeah. pain of doing the work versus the pain of not having the money. You know. That's right. That's so. right. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's um. So that's why you know people. You want something. Ideally, it would be nice to have. It would be nice to be in love. It would be nice to have money, you know, and have the freedom and time freedom and all that stuff. But, you know, we extrapolate until we hit that barrier. Yep. And then we can't make that decision. And it's easier to go back to what we um, are called to do. You know, like brush your teeth and, you know, do your regular routine. It's like, oh, I'm too busy to really think about it right now. I'll put it on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just you know whether it's whether it's loneliness or or being broke. It's kind of like you know if if you if you broke your leg or your arm, uh, would you just kind of drag that leg behind you and show the bone <laughs> sticking out and tell everybody about it and say, look, I broke my leg, it's the bone sticking out, I can't can't mm-hmm. can't walk on it, got to pull it behind me, <clears throat> or mm-hmm. what what would you do if you broke your leg? And and the answer is. You'd you, you'd probably call an ambulance or call a doctor or something. You'd get someplace to get it fixed, and the and mm-hmm. the question is why? Because it hurts, and right. and and you want that fixed. But what what about the pain of uh, being lonely? What about the pain of being broke? Um, see, mm-hmm. that's a pain too. But it seems like we um, as human beings, we just we're weighing out those pains and not not making the choice. Mm-hmm. So. You know, and, when and you gave you, that Google, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I, there was a woman in one of my workshops that uh, she said, uh, I want a relationship, but I'm not willing to open my heart until they prove themselves. <laughs> I said, well, good luck. Uh, you, I said, you'll uh, attract the same one you did before. And, right. and, and sure enough, she was. She was attracting one after another that did the same thing over and over and over. And, you know, you've got to, if you want a relationship, you got to open your heart and and be willing to uh, to uh, to be hurt if that's what happens. But it won't because you're open to completely. You're not trying to drive something away that you don't want. So what you focus right. on, is what you're going to resonate with, and that's what's going to come into your life. So with that, it reminds me of uh, the analogy: is if you have one foot in, like she wants to have a relationship, but she somebody has to prove themselves, right? So she's got mm-hmm. one foot in and one foot out. Yeah. You got one foot out and you're on your out. It's not going to work out. <laughs> yeah. We're uh, living in a gray world. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not a yeah, – yeah. again, it's black and white. You're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. And and uh, it, it doesn't matter what it is. If you, if you look at people that's done it and you talk to them, you'll find out that they made the decision, moved forward, nothing stood in their way, and or maybe things stood in their way, but they, they got around them somehow. Uh, because they decided they were going to do it. Mm-hmm. It's a lonely world. You know, in that Google um, example you gave, it amazes me for two reasons, too. It's like, look at how many people are looking up money compared to mm-hmm. happiness. Yeah. That's yeah, the world well, we live in. It, you know, it's, um, there's different areas of our lives, and if you focus just on one of them, uh, I remember meeting a fellow when I was young, and he was very wealthy. And and I said, I started a conversation with him, and and um, and right away I realized that he wasn't happy, he wasn't healthy. You know, the guy was 50 pounds overweight. He wasn't happy. He was smoking cigarettes, and he was, um, it, you know, I, I don't think he had a relationship. And you could just tell by looking at this guy that he had run over a lot of people in in, a, in the process of becoming wealthy. And he mm. and he made the statement. He said, "It's uh, wealth comes to people with the most amount of notches on their belt." <laughs> I don't know. I'm going, Whoa. man. If if all wealthy people are like this, I think I'll stay working in the factory right? on the assembly line and forget uh, trying to make more money. Uh, right. But unfortunately, but you don't I love have people, to be like people that. who don't have money. Yeah, people who don't have money actually look at people with money like that, like that example. Yep, yep. Yeah, and people without money will criticize people with money because 
it makes them it makes them feel better about being broke. Yeah, like they have more character. They know they could go out and do it, but they won't go do it. So they'll criticize somebody for doing it because it, it, they think it makes them look better. And that's yeah, that's a shame. That's hurtful yeah. to the person. That's exactly why they're stuck. You know, yeah. if they're judging other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Based on what they're not, they have to change. So um, let me see what else we have here. Oh, I love this one. A belief is a made-up story. So if you want to change it, make up something new. <laughs> That's so beautiful, Jim. I'd love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it is. A, it is a made-up. I mean, we live our stories, and and we we make up things that we that we think are true. And and we've all mm-hmm. changed beliefs, and it really is a matter of making a decision. That's what changes a belief. And sometimes mm-hmm. we make it over a long period of time. One example, I when I was in high school, um, I, I I dated this girl, and just totally fell in love with her, and mm-hmm. and I thought I could never live without her, and and we ended up breaking up because I moved away or something, and I, I was just, I was, like, devastated. I don't think I was in junior high. It was, like, ninth grade or something. And um, mm-hmm. and I thought, I'll, I'll never be able to live my life without her. And now I think about her, and I'm thinking, I don't actually remember her name, you know? So <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's like over, over, you have a belief, but, but you change it is my oh. point. You know, some things you could change mm-hmm. easily, but, you know, uh, other things, if if they've been repeated a lot, then it makes it harder for for the change. Mhm. But to that story, some people actually hold on to that story. They'll never be able to find anybody else because they let that one get away. That was the love uh, of their life. Yep. Right. I, I've got a couple of interesting stories there, but one uh, a, a fellow was in um, a workshop, and um, we're talking about relationships. And he said, well, I, I want my ideal relationship. And I said, well, what would that be? And he said, well, uh, I went to this other workshop, and they told me to make a list of the perfect woman for me. Oh. And I've got the list here if you want me to read it. And I said, well, I'd love oh, to. No. I said, How about everybody else? And he said, yeah. So he takes his list out. It's a pretty long list. And he, and he goes down through the oh, list, Lord. and he said, she's she's five foot four. She has black hair. She likes to uh, she likes to dance. She likes to climb, do mountain climbing. Uh, and he went down this through this whole list, and I'm going, "Wow!" I said, "That's quite a woman." And he said, "Yeah." yeah. And I said, "Would it matter if she's five four or five six? And he said, "No, not really." I said, "Would it matter if she's blonde or black hair?" He said, "No, not really." I said, "Would it matter if she didn't want to climb mountains?" <laughs> he said, "No, not really." <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I said, so tell me what you actually want in a relationship. Put your list aside. And and he opened up talking, and you could just feel what the guy wanted. And mm-hmm. at the end of the – right before the, the break for lunch, or as we broke for lunch, the, a woman walked up to him, and she she said, can I take you to lunch? And oh, wow. she told the story later that uh, she said she was ter- totally turned off by this guy because of the list he had. Mm-hmm. She said, but when he told me what he really wanted, um, she ended up taking him to lunch. They're married now. I've been married for probably 20, 20 years. Um, oh, my goodness. That's how they met right there, when he opened up and put out the signal of what he wanted in a relationship. and. Yeah, amazing. Okay, but wait a minute. Did I lose something in that in the translation? Because you're telling me he, he was actually describing what he want he what he wanted in a woman, but not really a relationship. Did he actually say and you broke down and said a relationship when you broke him down? And then yeah, she he, asked he him had to lunch? written down everything he wanted in you know in in a relationship or in a woman, I guess. And then when he shared, uh, well, his list was really what he wanted in a woman. And when mm-hmm. he shared what he wanted in a relationship, uh, that came from the heart. And the other one was just, yeah. you know, well, you know, do I right. like black hair over blonde? Or, yeah, I have black hair, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I was 
confused. I'm thinking to myself, what woman would go up to a man and ask him out to lunch based on his, you know, his laundry list there of what he wants in a No, woman? no, she asked him out based upon how how she yeah how she felt when she heard him say what he really wanted. Right. That's nice. That's nice. And then, well, what yeah. a love story, huh? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's was a great, great, great one. Yeah. Okay, so but um, how do we make up something new? How do we believe? You know what I mean? If everything is based on belief, how do we make up something new but live in this reality that hasn't quite changed it? Well, making up something new is is the decision process and having confidence in the decision that you've made. You know, if if um, you know if you want to write a book, you've got to decide to do it. If you want to start a business, make money, be happy, mm-hmm. get healthy, you've got it's got to be backed up by that that decision. Otherwise, you'll always live in a gray world, uh, bouncing back right. and forth and repeating the same cycles over and over and over. So it's really all life is about the decisions you make. And if you if you connect the dots backwards and look at your life, you'll see exactly how you got where you are, uh, but exactly. based on the decisions you made. So if you want to change that. You got to have different decisions. It's bottom line. Yeah, I love that. That's that's exactly how. I mean, I can look at my own life and and agree wholeheartedly. I remember when I I um, years ago I was sitting at a restaurant in Temecula and by myself had my computer open. Waiter comes over and he says, "Oh, you know, what do you do?" And I looked at him and I said, "I'm a writer." He goes, "Oh, that's really cool." And at the time, I had no idea what I would write. I had none. I just <laughs> made a decision. <laughs> Yeah. That that's yeah. what I was going to be, and um, you know they do. It really does come true. You just have to make a decision, believe in yourself, and then peel away, like you said, peel away everything that doesn't serve that belief. Yeah, I just right? wrote an article, and and um, and and I used the example of Michelangelo that carved the uh, the statue of David, and mm-hmm. somebody asked him, "How did you carve such a beautiful uh, sculpture?" And he said, well, it was simple. I got a vision of what I wanted to create, and I chipped away what didn't fit. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. I always love that that's analogy. That's exactly but right. It's true. You let go of what doesn't fit. That's, that's, and that's so important. That's right. I mean, when you, when you can get down to making the decision and then understanding that every action you take is going to lead you toward that or, or away from it. And you can't you can't be a hundred percent going toward it. There's always things that's going to throw you off course, things you got to do that's not moving you toward it. But but if you even if you even if you let go and and continue to move toward it twenty percent better, think of how much faster it's going to happen. But mm-hmm. uh, you got to you got to let go of the things that doesn't take you where you want to go. And if you become mindful or I call it self-observation. Observe yourself. Um, observe mm-hmm. your actions. Even do a little thing I did one time for 30 days. I wrote down what I did every 15 minutes for 30 days. And I was wow. totally blown away by what I didn't do. <laughs> by what the things that I did <laughs> not in the direction I wanted to go. I was blown right. away. And, and so... You start to look at your time because you know we're on this planet for not very long, right? And wasting fifteen minutes or an hour or a day or a week or a month or a year—I mean, how sad it would be to get to the end of your lifetime and realize you only lived ten percent of what you could have in, so, in any area. Mm-hmm. Agree. Agree. So by letting go you know, of some of those I... things that keep you stuck, you live more mm-hmm. life. You know. Definitely. You know, I, I often think that, too. It's like, you know, if you fast forward, you know, to closer to the end of your life, if you're lucky, and you look back, it's like, what did I really do? Think about it now. What did you really do? And get busy. Well, here's a little exercise if you're listening today. Um, sit down and pretend that you're 100 years old and start writing down the things that you accomplished during your life. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole new way of of uh, making decisions about what you want to do, because you mm-hmm. start to see the things that you re- that are really important to you. Where you look forward, we don't always see that. We're we're thinking about, well, I need to make money so I can do this or go travel or this or that. But if you put yourself in a position of being 100 years old and somebody's interviewing you and saying, what 
what did you accomplish in this hundred years? And if you answer it honestly, you know, you'll, you'll see what you really want to do with your life. What's important? That's true. You know, I, I would you say that um, so many people are caught up in, you know, in bill paying and just getting along, you know, trying to make ends meet. They don't have the time to really think of what they, you know, what kind of impact they want to leave here, what they want to do. How do you? Yeah, legacy is. That Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, no. How do you get to that point? Yeah, it, I mean, I think everybody should sit down and 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 decide what legacy they're going to leave, um, because we will either will either leave here with with a legacy or leave here as a warning of what not to do, maybe for some. Oh God! But, um, right. But there's, I mean, yeah, it's life is life is short, and you got to fill it up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's the how. But how, Jim? I don't know how to do any of that stuff. Sure, I would love to, but I don't know how. Do you know what? Anything that you've ever wanted, that you've ever wanted to accomplish, is about one inch in front of your nose. It's about one inch outside your comfort zone. So you don't know how, then you go study it. It's like when when I first was learning to to speak in um, uh, you know in public. And Jim Rohn was was my business partner, and I went to Jim and I said, mm. "How do you how do you design a good talk?" He said, "How long you want yeah. to talk?" And I said, "An hour." And he said, uh, "Well, what topics are you uh, passionate about?" And I named off like three, four topics, and he said, mm-hmm. "Well, go study those topics, develop the confidence around those that you know what you're talking about." And mm-hmm. uh, he said, "And." become a gatherer of stories. And mm-hmm. he said stories stories make points, points make stories. He said people will remember the stories, then remember the point. Uh, right. And so I I'll never forget that and and it changed how I was looking at it. I I thought I thought he had the corner on all information. That's how good he was. And I mm-hmm. I didn't know what I could do or what I could develop that would be uh, as good as his, or even hold a candle to it. Um, mm-hmm. But I developed that over the years, and you know, I don't use any of his material or anything like. Even though I know mm-hmm. it word for word, I was around him for ten years. Um, yeah. I just, you know, developed over the years. You develop it. So if you want to learn something, you got to study it. You know, go get around people who's doing it. I mean, I associated with, you know, Zig Ziglar and Dennis Waitley and. Uh, uh, Earl Nightingale and uh, people like mm-hmm. that that were back then were the uh, call them I right. guess the, the founders the grandfathers of, of personal development uh, sure. and so you go study whatever it is you want to accomplish you want to become an auto mechanic you know go study automobile mechanic um, you want to become a doctor you you know figure you're going to take twelve years to go to school and learn how um, it's true know how to stay and healthy you know, start start researching it. Yeah, that's true. But even knowledge itself, if you're, you know, you you dive in and you're like, okay, I'm very confident about what it is I know. But then there's the application and, you know, getting it out there. There's all the technology, you know, the the putting it together. The people are just like, oh, my gosh, now I have to figure that out too. Well, you, you either have to figure it out or you have to develop a team that, that helps you figure it out or – you know, helps helps get it out there. I mean, yeah, things change. I mean, I, if I could live anywhere, it'd be back in the '80s where things were simple and nobody could find you, and you didn't have a cell phone or a computer, <laughs> uh, and you actually had relationships and you met people and right. for appointments. And but uh, but we can't go back there, so we've got to adjust and reinvent ourselves uh, on a almost on a daily basis. Sometimes you got to got to keep up, uh, otherwise you get you get left behind. Yeah, well, that's so it true. Doesn't mean you got to do it all. Sure. I mean, I don't understand technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I kind of do a little bit, but not not mm-hmm. enough that I would say that I could go do it. Um, I mean, I tried to place an ad on Facebook. Finally, I had to hire somebody to help me put place an ad because <laughs> I just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> uh huh. It's not yeah. easy. <laughs> no, so I... so you got to find somebody that can assist you in that. You know, it's like a doctor with mm-hmm. a with 
you know, doing surgery, and they got five assistants standing around them. Um, so, right. Yeah. You know, it, so it it it's just learning that new skill set and and um and, and uh, you know you don't have to have all the skill sets you've got to you've got to be the one the kingpin that holds it all together with the decision you made and you're moving forward and then you bring the the team together if, if that's necessary okay so that's a good that's a good point so you got to bring the team together this is where relationships come in right because yeah. you might find people that have the know-how, but if you don't know how to get along with anyone, your team or the people that know how, you won't have a team. Exactly. You think? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. I mean, you've got to have the right team members, and some team members come and go. Um, yeah. You know, some are some you you have, and they're 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 not the right team member, and you gotta you gotta understand that, and you gotta be willing to to cut that team member loose if they're not mm-hmm. um, if they're not part of the team and and moving in the same direction. You know, you can mm-hmm. all you, you you have to do that. I think that's where a lot of disappointment comes in too, when especially in business, uh, you rely so heavily on somebody's expertise you know, maybe their promises or whatever the vision is, and then they fall short and can't, can't um, you know, produce whatever they promised. Mm-hmm. And it's disheartening. You get discouraged, and you can't trust people. And so that, that vision and that dream of your own starts to dimish, diminish because you can't find good people. Well, you know, uh, I've consulted with, over 300 companies and in over over the last 40 years and when i go into a company uh it's pretty easy to see what's wrong but what i look for is who's wrong and i remember going into one company up in oregon and i I said i'm going to interview everybody in your your office Uh, and he had about 40 people or so and i said i just want to go meet them and you know uh, and he was a CEO. Uh, his wife was president. And um, yeah, so I, I went around and met people, spent five or ten minutes with them and uh, over a couple of days. And then we got back together, and we're sitting in a conference room. And he said, well, what do you think about my team? And I said, well, I, said, I think you've got some really good team members. And I said, I, there's two that um, I think are could be a problem. And I said, uh, one of them, I, I just get the – Sneaking suspicion that he's not very, uh, uh, not very honest, and he might be stealing from you. And he said, "Oh no, he's like a son." And he said, "No, he oh, uh, he no. wouldn't." I said, "Okay, well maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong there." And I said, "But right. uh, and you need to fire your president." And he said, oh. "That's my wife." And I said, "I know." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "You're small right now. You're doing about a half a million a month in sales," and I said, um, "And she will keep you there." And she has oh, her wow. finger on the pulse. Every phone call that comes in this office, she knows what it is and who who's talking to who and what they said. And I said, you can't build a company that way. And mm. I said, I I can I can take this company and make it sizzle and do a lot of business. Mm-hmm. But I said she will take it out of business. And I'm not holding that against her. I'm not saying she's a bad person. She's just positioned wrong. Mm. And so over the next two years, I took them from. Five hundred thousand a month to twenty-three million a month in sales, wow. and two years later they were out of business because oh, she no. ran them out of business. Yeah, she ran them out of business. <laughs> so he <laughs> did didn't exactly fire what her. I said she was going to do. <laughs> oh my goodness! It was so, crazy. So he she never was fired still her. trying to micromanage everybody uh, after after mm-hmm. that length of time, and and they had hundreds of employees. So, oh. Yeah, that's that's that unfortunate. Well, okay, so if the business failed, did their marriage fail as well? It did. Yeah. 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 It did. That's predictable, and, isn't it? And the CEO came in early one morning, about four thirty in the morning. Went to the mm-hmm. happened to see a paper coming out of the fax machine. Turns out the guy I said was stealing from him was was taking about forty thousand dollars a month in product and shipping it to Japan. Oh wow! <laughs> so wow. he was actually stealing from them. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, you crazy. know, there's a reason why companies bring in consultancy. You gotta have to have to believe, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's never like what's wrong. It's always who's wrong when you've got something yes. that's not working. Uh, if you've got a bad product, then somebody created that product. If you've got a bad marketing mm-hmm. system, somebody created that. So uh, mm-hmm. you've got to you got to look at the who's, not not necessarily the what. Yep, I totally understand that because it's we're all we have, right? I mean, we're the ones that are the creators of everything. Yep, mm-hmm. that's right. So who created it? Yeah, who created it? I love that. Well, okay, so we have about um, less than five minutes left. What I want to do is ask you the, the vision for Cracking the Rich Code. What what inspired you to do this, to, create this, um, to bring us all together? You know, my life in the last 40 years has, has really been about helping people, and um, entrepreneurship is on the rise and uh, in a big way, in not only in the U.S., but around the world. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs that get stuck. Uh, they they can't move forward. They uh, they're making mistakes, classic mistakes. And what I want to do with with this book series, and you know, Kevin Harrington is uh, probably by many people is is ranked amongst, if not the top entrepreneur in the world. I mean, he's taken over 500 products to market. And um, so. Uh, I want to create a community of people, more than just a chapter in a book, but I want to create a community of people that can collaborate with each other, do business together, share ideas, share leads, um, that mm-hmm. can you know, help be- benefit the whole. So that's the purpose for bringing it together, and um, it's, it's already serving that. And it's, you know, we had mm-hmm. to iron out a few little bugs starting out with it, but we've got the first book out. We've got the second book ready to come out. We've got the third book that's got mm-hmm. probably 25% Amazing. Uh, uh, full and and it's starting to gain some momentum and got a new mm-hmm. membership site that's being launched here pretty quick and so it's uh, it's um, doing what I wanted to do I just want to educate entrepreneurs inspire them influence them to to move forward and help them accomplish what they want because I you know I believe that that's that's the free enterprise system and the um, more enterprising you mm-hmm. can become the freer you'll become. Absolutely. Well, I can tell you that I, I am so appreciative for being part of book one. That's for sure. Yeah, if there's anybody yeah. out there that that's listening that wants uh, wants to be uh, considered as one of the uh, co-authors in one of our book series, uh, just go to BritVenture.com and it'll give you all the details and you can set a time to have a chat with me if it looks like something you want to want to move forward with. Yes, exactly. And if anybody would like a copy of Cracking the Rich Code, you can go to Merrily at BritVentures.com, and we will get you your copy, and you can enjoy all these chapters. And I absolutely love the whole networking idea and uh, cross-marketing and everybody getting to know each other and for the greater good. I mean, it's really what we're doing. There's so many, like you said, entrepreneurship is on the rise. People don't know what they're doing, but they definitely want it. So I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, well, I'm excited about this. I, I, I see us doing uh, hundreds of these volumes and, and developing a, a huge uh, network of people all over the world that we're connected to. You know, can imagine if mm-hmm. you're in 50 countries out there and you're within the book series and you pick up the phone or get on the Internet and, and contact a, a co-author and some other country and say, hey, I'm in the book series too. You got a perfect connection already. Uh, so and, yes. and, and learn from one another. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, whether they're in the same business or not, you might learn, you know, one little idea that changes your whole life and changes your whole business direction. You just never know. Mm-hmm. Right. Plus, you know, you, with these books, you get into the minds of these entrepreneurs and see what they're thinking. You know, if you're not around uh, people that you want to be like. If you're not, if you want to be an entrepreneur, but you're not around entrepreneurs, this is the perfect opportunity for you to immerse yourself into the thought process of all these entrepreneurs and what they've learned. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's we really have, the uh, that's really the purpose. I mean, uh, somebody was reading the first book and they just uh, they they said, "Oh my God!" She said, "I just love this book. <laughs> it's just got mm-hmm. such a diversity in it." But I'm learning something from almost every chapter. Uh, yes, I love it. I, I mean, great minds come together, that's for sure. And I, I mean, a hundred, I mean, I, that's a huge series of books, Jim. <laughs> so, uh, 
Yeah, on behalf of everybody, thank you for coming up with this. And I so, so appreciate you being on the show. And, um, again, if you'd like to get your copy of Cracking the Rich Code, go to Marilee at BritVenture.com, and we'll get you one. Uh, and, Britt, I mean, I mean, Jim, I'm sorry. I thank you again. My pleasure. And, again, if somebody was, if you're interested in being in one of our books, actually just email uh, Marilee at uh, Marilee at BritVenture.com, and she'll direct you to the right place. All right. Jim, thank you again. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, and we'll talk to you again. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.